And now, it's time for a nerd movie. Well, Aaron, here we are once again. Well met for a lovely day of podcasting. This will be a long day for us, longer than usual. We usually do 45-minute episodes, and now we're doing a three-hour movie. We're diving in today. <laughs> it's a project. Um, so here's the question of the day. What is the value of reinterpreting a classic character? Hmm. What is the value in that? Yeah. Um, to show different sides of of a multifaceted character potentially um if it's a super popular character i feel like a lot of people have their own vision of what they would do if they had their own tv show or their own movie you know a lot of creative ideas out there um i think there is value in that i think there's also value in giving projects time to breathe after they've been made um and not going right into the next thing, like two, three years after the fact. Mm, like something like, marinate. Yeah. Come up with something new for it. Sure. Hmm. Well, we'll see, um, I guess we'll see if um, our particular film for today will help us answer this question. If there's mm. any value whatsoever in reinterpreting a character. Maybe there's none. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this will be a complete waste of everyone's yeah, time. Sorry, know. everyone. I mean, at least there was pizza. Well, welcome to the show. Everyone at home listening, um, this is Nerd Movies 2, The Batman. I, of course, am your dazzling host, Jaron Hatch, and I'm joined here by my formidable co-host, Aaron Cole. Hello, Aaron. Hello. <laughs> formidable. Yes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, as always, bring in a bunch of people to come talk about these nerd movies with us, um, just to see, um, how we all look at Batman in our own eyes. So we got a few guest hosts, uh, with us today. Um, starting with the person on my right, um, we are, uh, bringing back from earlier episodes, um, my lovely best friend, partner in crime. Jenny Beale is back on the podcast, everyone. Hello, baby. Hi. <laughs> Just the look of, come on, Jaren. <laughs> Does it have to be so embarrassing every time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> uh, Jenny, how are you today? I'm good. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Good, nice little day? Yeah, I've had a good day. Nice little Sunday? Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, last time you were here, it was just you and I, and we did a little Star Trek cartoon. Um, that was cute and adorable. Um, we didn't even have Aaron with us that time, so now you get to experience the full, the full, the full experience. Show. Lucky me. <laughs> <laughs> we did listen to that episode together, Jared and I. Yeah. Yeah, so I felt like I was a part of it, even though. You were there in spirit. Yeah. I was thinking about you the whole time. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that Aaron. I you wish you you was didn't here. have to think about me the whole time, but that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't think we got into this much last time you were here, Jenny, but we didn't really get into much. Um, I don't know what kind of year jam is. You are right now um, in school um, working on your social work degree mm -hmm. um, with 
your sights on being a therapist. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure you will have lots of uh, things to break down for Batman. Very troubled character. Lots of psychoanalyzing, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah, so we'll expect all your notes. Hope you keep uh, therapy notes for Batman. Very brief for confidentiality. (laughs) Um, You know, of course, you and I have talked about this, but what is it about... I don't know, like social work and therapy that has drawn you particularly toward it. Um, I'm a social justice nerd. I'm also a therapy nerd because I am traumatized and have been to a lot of therapy. So I have a special love for it and would love to provide that service for other people. Also, probably my favorite thing to do is sit and shoot the shit. And that is one of the ways you can kind of get paid to do that. Mm, I never thought about it that way. Just I get paid to shoot the shit. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you're getting a lot of shit shot at you, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Trauma shit. <laughs> um, and then I guess as far as like Batman is concerned, you are basically like, um, I don't know, like a Batman noob. I don't know if I'm a Batman noob as much as I am a superhero hater. Oh, a hater. So it's not just apathy. You hate superheroes. I do not like superhero movies. So, you know, superheroes are all about social justice. Some of them. No, they're not. (laughs) (laughs) They're about beating people up and living out their power fantasies. They're crazy egotists. (laughs) I'm sure you will have many thoughts about this film then. Eh, We'll see. Um, Yeah, is that why you don't like them? uh, Like, what is it about the superhero movies that, I don't know, turns you actively off? I think it's actually more that I just don't really like action films. Mm. I find them boring and mm. not super like intellectually stimulating. To be fair, SpongeBob is my favorite TV show, so clearly intellectual <laughs> stimulation is not that important to me. Um, SpongeBob I don't know. I just, has memes that span generations. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just find them boring. Mm. Um. Do you think if there was like a Spongebob superhero movie, you'd go see that? No, there are episodes of Spongebob with uh, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, and those are my least favorite episodes. (laughs) They kind of suck. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I find superheroes just really boring, I guess. It's very like, I don't know. I feel like superhero movies are always very obviously made by a room full of men. Mm. It just feels very macho and like chest poundy and I don't know, guns. Yeah. Guns. Mm Mm-mm. What about like Wonder Woman? Did you watch Wonder Woman? No. No. Okay. Still superheroes. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Even that still feels like it's made by a room full of dudes. Yeah. 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 You know what would be great if you could put Wonder Woman in this kind of like armored bikini? There was That'd one superhero great. movie I've seen that I did like. Yeah. I can't remember it though, but it was a guy in a wheelchair. Was it, was it Professor Xavier? Oh, no. It was uh, M. Night Shyamalan. Oh. oh. Unbreakable. Uh, yeah, that was the one superhero movie I've seen that I liked. Mm. So that's kind of a deconstruction of superheroes. So that that's probably why I totally liked it. Totally makes sense, yeah. It's much more relatable, too, because they're not like in crazy costumes with crazy powers. It's yeah. like just this one dad in a kind of dysfunctional family who is just, I guess, pretty strong. But that's basically it. Um, I do really like that film. Um, that'd be fun to watch maybe one of these days. Unbreakable. I don't think we need it in 4K. We should just watch it. Just watch it, yeah. yeah. It's um, a good movie. Well, we'll certainly be curious to hear your thoughts on a three-hour superhero movie as someone who doesn't like them. <laughs> yeah, I'm scared. Scared? There's pizza. <laughs> but there's pizza. Pizza. <laughs> well, thank you for being back on the show, baby. 
Um, that's good to have you here. Um, and then um, we've got yet another guest host. Aaron, would you like to do the honors to the person on your left? Yeah, sure. All right. Today, we also have my buddy, Steven Stoffel. Steven. Steven. How you doing? I'm good. Good? Yeah. What you been up to, man? You said you had flag football game, but it canceled on you. Canceled on me. It's just been work. Yeah. Yeah. You got a promotion recently. I did. Yeah. That's still going good. That's going great. Cool. Where do you work? Uh, at Discover Bank. Ah, nice. And I work on the process improvement side, so a lot of problems come to me, and I try to fix them. Mm-hmm. But lately, you're just delegating stuff a lot more, or what do you do? Uh, Can no, you talk about it? Is it, it classified? <laughs> There's just a lot of things that need to be fixed on a daily basis. <laughs> and so when those problems come to me and my team, we just work together at getting a resolution. So it's not as uh, exciting as some other jobs, but uh, it pays the bills. For yes. sure. I hope so. Got to have one of those. No, you're clearly more of a Star Wars guy. Yes. Than a Star Trek guy. And that's yeah. okay. We forgive you. It's okay. Good. <laughs> it's allowed. Uh, <laughs> Steven I has some just, awesome. Uh, happy uh, you let me in your your house. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Hi. He has some epic uh, uh, Star Wars tats. Mm-hmm. A really good one of Darth Vader. Yes, Pretty I cool. do. Yeah. Uh, I've been a Star Wars fan for quite a long time since I was a kid. Action fag- figures, Legos, all the all the above. Um, I do like Star Wars, Star Trek, Marvel, DC. So you know, but a lot of that knowledge comes from what's in Hollywood rather than comics and things like that. Mm, more of the mainstream. I mean, more of like a Marvel or a DC person. Again, no judgment. Judgment Based off zone. the movies, it's been mostly Marvel. Sure. Yeah. But um, I think DC does come out with some good movies as well. So um, when they don't, occasion. yeah, maybe not multiple directors in the same movies and, you know, it's just kind of the clusterfucks they've made before. So. Oh gosh. Mm. Yeah, very hit and miss. Yeah. But I mean, lately I feel like Marvel's the same way. Oh, so bad. I don't know. We we don't need to get started on it, but that new Doctor Strange was not sitting right with me, you guys. Not my favorite. <laughs> no. Yeah, what's your kind of feeling on Batman specifically? Uh, I've really been a fan of the movies. Um, there's been a lot of different characters playing the role, which or uh, actors playing the role, which is kind of cool to be able to compare all the different people and their style and the different directors. And so... I've been pretty happy with the recent Batman movies. Um, Christian Bale. Um, I wasn't a Ben a, a Ben Hooflick fan for the most part overall. I'll have to admit, but uh, I know this one with Pattinson I think is also pretty good. So um, yeah, I, again, it, it's kind of limited to Hollywood and what you know. I haven't read the comics or anything like that, but uh, I did. You watch the cartoon when you were growing up. Uh, no. No? Never watched the cartoon. Oh, man. Batman the Animated Series. Yeah. yeah. Classic stuff. Um, and you have seen the film we're about to watch. You and Aaron are, are, are two who have seen the film. Mm-hmm. A few times, yeah. A few oh, times. Yeah, I've seen it a few times. <laughs> I saw it just the once. Um, all right. So that'd be good. We got a, a one-timer and a three-timer. <laughs> three-timer. Multiples. <laughs> Three-peat. Uh, well, thanks you for uh, joining us today yes, Stephen um, look forward to watching it and hearing your thoughts on the film um, and then finally we have a third guest host as we usually do for these films 
um, sitting in what is usually our captain's chair for Star Trek stories. Uh, we have my very good friend, the lovely Rachel Leonard. Hello, Rachel. Hi. The pressure is on in oh, this gosh. chair. Oh, my God. I'm a little yeah. bit nervous. <laughs> uh, we always joke that, uh, that the self-destruct for the ship is on that chair. For so the just show. watch where you're putting your, elbow. right. Noted. <laughs> putting your elbows. I'll be careful. Yeah. You could just end it all in a in blink. No more podcast. Oh, that's it. Sorry, everyone. Rachel so blew up the show. So the pressure just, you know, skyrocketed <laughs> right there. Um. Rachel, how the hell are you today? You know, I'm not bad. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Doing a nice little warm Sunday. My God, it's so like 81. Hot. Yeah, it skyrocketed to like 20 degrees hotter than it was, and then it's just going to drop right back down in a couple days. Yeah, once we're done doing this little bit, we're going to turn that AC back on because it got warm. My goodness. Um, Rachel, we've known each other for a few years. Um, we met working with Salt Lake County at Arctix, selling yeah. tickets to the peeps. You used to be my boss for a little bit. I was your boss for a while, yeah. yeah. I was like, I think I started there about six years ago. Yeah. So we've known each other for a minute. That's a minute. Um, and now and now we've kind of gone off our own separate ways, but still in similar orbits. Um, I work for Utah Symphony, Utah Opera, and you work for Broadway. Yeah, I work for Broadway Across America. Yeah. And... Uh, we just, you know, professional ticketers, every child's dream, you know? <laughs> you know, there are pros and cons um, to these ticketing jobs. Sometimes some of us get to go see shows. And if you're a Broadway fan, you get to go see some of those Broadway shows. That's true. I am a Broadway fan. So it is beneficial that, you know, I get to work in something I enjoy, which which is the goal overall. So I'm not mad at it at all. If we ever do a, a musical film on nerd movies, does that mean we have to grab you as like oh I'm in a, a musical because we gotta there's lots of nerddoms out there and musical choose? theater is definitely a nerddom oh, and a half. Can we watch Cats? Which one? <laughs> the new one, like the one that sucks and is terrible. It's okay. I got free tickets from a friend of mine who used to work at a radio station when it came out, so I watched it on opening night. And I don't know if this is allowed on here, but I had never wished more than anything in my life that I was high as a kite when I watched that movie. <laughs> it would have been so much more fun. Yeah. yeah. But I will tell you, Jason Derulo, much better than I expected. Mm. All right. Interesting. Yeah. But it's, 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 it has he, its moments. Even but Cats overall. has its silver linings. <laughs> Although, fun fact that I found out the other day, the Broadway musical, like the touring one, uses an inflatable set. So now I can't watch cats without thinking of just a giant blow up with a bunch of cats just parading around. That's crazy. There's your fun fact for the day. Uh, we also had your brother Sean on the show not too long ago for yeah. Star Trek The Motion Picture. So yeah, he was here a few weeks ago. You guys are both um, nerd buddies of mine. I'd like um, to apologize for him. So <laughs> thank you. I'm sure it was a hard thank time. You. They're always apologizing <laughs> for each other. <laughs> Rachel's the worst. Oh, yeah, Sean. Worst. <laughs> Every it's time. It's mutual. So it's all good. Um, yeah, so you are definitely um, a bit of a nerd as well, and a bit of a cinephile also. Um, oh. A lot of times when you and I get together, I mean, we'll start going to like, I don't know, Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, that's been our, our recent one lately. Yep, Game of Thrones. Um, do you, are you on like the, I know, I know you like musical theater. Are you kind of like a fantasy lover? Is that kind of your thing? Or is it kind of more general than that? It's a bit more general. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't really start getting into nerddom until 
like 2014, 2015 was like my first real introduction to anything. I don't think I saw The Dark Knight until like 2016. Okay. And that to this day is, well, I've seen Batman versus Superman, which has no space in my memory. I didn't even remember anything that happened. <laughs> I saw Justice League, the new ones, and then I saw The Dark Knight, and that's all my Batman knowledge. I know very little. Okay. Um, so it's still kind of, I'm still working my way through everything, but so it is very general. Okay. Very, very general. How are you and just with like superhero stuff in general? Good. I uh, started kind of like you. I'm kind of like a middleman here, I think, where I've, I don't know everything, but I really enjoy Marvel because I, I got in right in the sweet spot of that whole 10 year decade, but I don't know details. I don't know comics. I don't know history. I don't know anything. So it's a very new kind of thing I'm diving into. Okay, so this so and you haven't seen this film we're about to watch. I have not. No. Yeah. No. Um. So, well, it'll be kind of, I guess, kind of new for you as well, in terms of just Batman in general. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've I've only seen those those three, mm. and I'll tell you the the last two were not anything to write home about. So. Martha. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, thanks for coming, Rachel. It's lovely to have you on the show. Um, Thanks for having me. Be excited to hear your thoughts as well. Um, And then before we get into it, um, just to really quickly open it up to the group, what would you guys all say is the value of reinterpreting like a classic character? I think it's a capitalist motivation. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) There it is, folks. Good night, everyone. We answered the question. (laughs) Just to make money. I think reinterpretation of a character is probably most valuable if it's a character that occupies a really specific role. Like, you've got the evil bad guy character, and this reinterpretation is coming from an angle of like, well, here's his past trauma, and here's why he is the way that he is. And like, you're really learning something new about the character from a totally different angle, not just like a tweaking a couple little details about them. Mm. What do you think, Stephen? I mean, you kind of mentioned like it is fun to kind of see different people do their spin on it. Say like comparing Batfleck to Balefleck, um, and it's fun just to see Balefleck. <laughs> yeah, are they married? <laughs> Balefleck. Balefleck. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, Bat Bale. Not I'm Bale shipping Fleck. it. I'm shipping it. <laughs> ben Affleck and Christian Bell Batman. Shipping it hard. You heard it here first. Start the hashtag on Twitter. Let's go. <laughs> hashtag Bale Fleck. Um, Yeah, you, so you were kind of talking about that. Like, what what, what do you think is, I don't know, fun about that um, as like a viewer or an audience member? Yeah, you don't, you, you kind of hope it's not the exact same movie every single time on the on the flip side, right? Because... If they were all the same, what are you expecting to see when you go into the theater or watch it at home, right? So I think when, you know, you have a different actor, slightly different story, it brings a little bit, you know, a different feel to it, a different vibe. And I do like, you know, you can evaluate the movie on like the emotional value, right? Like of how you felt after it. Like, wow, was the acting great? Was the story, you know, great? Was it what I expected? Was it different? And um, some of the times some of the movies are they reach that expectation they're better they you know they blow you out of the water you're like wow i can't believe they did so well and the other times right it's just a catastrophe um 
so, you know, for me, like a lot of the times it's just, you know, it's fun because, you know, like think about how many different Batmans some people have seen all throughout their lives, right? They've seen a Batman movie when they're seven, when they're 12, when they're 16, when they're 21. So it's fun to just kind of go along for the ride. I, I think what really changed it for Batman for me was um, Dark Knight. I think it changed for a lot of people right there, right? And that was a movie that like just unrealistic, like just how good of a movie that ended up being. And when I was in the theater watching that movie, like the first five minutes captivated, right? You got the Joker going in, robbing the bank, and you're just like, holy shit, like this movie already, you know, you can hear the soundtrack, you know, you can see like, you know, what's happening. And it's just a really cool start. So I love just finding, you know, if it's a superhero movie, if it's a, you know, a Star Trek movie, Star Wars, God forbid, um, (laughs) you know, whatever they do with a new movie, um, it's just fun to see, you know, and, and, and see what you think of it compared to previous movies in the past. And yeah, sometimes they are just trying to make a little money off you. Right. <laughs> but, uh, other times, sometimes it's a great flick. So I'm excited for today's movie. Yeah. That's, you know, one of the reasons we, 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 we've been kind of doing the show and inviting different people on every week is part of what we're exploring with the show is like different perceptions on the same thing so it's all these different people's perceptions on you know say star trek but like it is kind of fun to see how one character or one thing can mean something different to everyone so that can be yeah fun to see like both like a filmmaker and actor it's like well here's how i kind of see it and then that's kind of what it is for them and it's like and then we all get to be like oh i can see how that works or doesn't work in the case of george clooney a bit like a 300 million dollar painting yeah (laughs) (laughs) um Rachel what are your what are your thoughts on reinterpreting characters I think there's value in it sometimes if done properly and if done well um I think there are a couple really good examples of it um the first being Shakespeare you get things like very classic centuries old literature plays done to this day in very different forms whether it's on stage or on film or however and you see different roles i saw recently a version of othello where iago was played by a black man Mm. and it completely changed the whole dynamic the whole dynamic of the show every everything was just Mm. you had to look at it in a completely new angle and it was it was fantastic but i think a more wide widely known example is probably something simple like Doctor Who. I mean, you get these, this one character that is played by, at this point, what, 13, 14 different people? Mm-hmm. But every single regeneration is different. And while the writing is not always great, the character is still the character with different interpretations. So I think, you know, and it brings different dynamics to the story. So I think it has its benefits if it's done well, but it can also easily be a cash grab. <laughs> and it's usually very obvious when it is. Oh, yes. All right, well, let's see if this film gives us any insight on the value of reinterpreting a classic character. Um, Yes, we are watching THE Batman, not just any Batman, THE Batman. This premiered March 1st, 2022, so this is still pretty new, um, about a year old at this point. Um, For those who don't know, this was directed by Matt Reeves, who's probably best known for Cloverfield, and... um, the second two Planet of the Ape remake films, okay. like the new ones with Andy Serkis, he did two and three. Matt Reeves also wrote and produced this film as well. 
Um, this is the ninth standalone live action feature length theatrical Batman film. Uh, but he has, of course, appeared in countless other things. <laughs> I don't know if you put together a list of how many things Batman has showed up in, it would probably be thousands at this point for how much he appears in things. Um, and this originally began as a vehicle for Ben Affleck. So what began as a Ben Affleck film became a Robert Pattinson film in 2022, like eight years after they finally got this movie made and out. Um, it also got delayed because of COVID. Goodness. So this whole movie had like a whole process behind it, which we may maybe get into a little bit when we come back. Um, yeah, so for those of you at home who are going to watch with us, um, The Batman is streaming on HBO Max as of this recording anyway. Um, we will, of course, be watching the fancy 4K Blu-ray version. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, get a drink, pull up a chair, grab some snacks, and join us as we watch The Batman. Funny. All 
everyone wants to do is unmask you, but they're missing the point. You and I both know. I'm looking at the real you right now. My mask allowed me to be myself completely. No shame. No limits. Why did you write me? What do you mean? All those cards. I told you. We've been doing this together. You're part of this. We didn't do anything together. We did. What did we just do? I asked you to bring him in the light, and you did. We're such a good team. We're not a team. I never could have gotten him out of there. I'm, I'm not physical. My strength is up here. I mean, I, I had all the pieces. I had the answers, but I didn't know how to make them listen. You gave me that. I gave you nothing. You showed me what was possible. You showed me all it takes is fear and a little focused violence. You inspired me. You're out of your goddamn mind. What? This is all in your head. You're sick. Twisted. How can you say that? You think you'll be remembered? You're a pathetic psychopath. Begging for attention. You're gonna die alone. No, 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 no! A nobody!
So if you haven't seen this film or didn't watch it with us, I don't know why you're listening, but in case you didn't, um, basically what happens in this movie is Batman is in like his second year of being Batman, still trying to figure out the ropes, and then basically gets caught up in the Riddler, who is basically killing high-level officials, most notably the mayor, basically just becomes a whole big investigation into trying to stop the Riddler, figure out what the Riddler's up to, and it's basically him just trying to expose the city as being giant and, and a huge giant corruption that's where it's basically being ruled by the mob, and he's partially using Batman as a ploy to uncover everything. And then in the end decides he's going to also, I don't know, flood and destroy the city, (laughs) leading to Batman becoming, I guess, a hero and realizes he can be more than just vengeance. Um, That's a very quick summary just because there's a lot, (laughs) a lot of plot stuff in this movie. I was like, how do I, how do I, how do I sum this up real quick? Yeah, that's about it. Um, Pretty good spark notes there. We'll start with initial thoughts, like we always do. Um, Rachel, since you're in our captain's chair, initial thoughts on coming off the Batman. Well, good news. I didn't explode anything by sitting in the captain's chair, (laughs) so I count that as a win. Um, (laughs) It was a lot better than I expected. I don't know what I expected. Mm. I just kind of came in very neutral Mm -hmm. because I hadn't necessarily heard anything good or bad or, you know, so... I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. yeah. Um, was there anything that like kind of struck you most about this movie as well from watching it or not, not particularly. I mean, I think the thing I most took away from it was I forgot how dark DC can be <laughs> like very, very dark. And this is you know, not Ant-Man. It's not Ant-Man, it's not Thor, Love and Thunder, it's not Screaming Goats, you know. It is, you killed my father, prepare to die type shit. So, yeah, it's it's definitely a lot darker than I remembered, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Very dark. Also, uh, just visually dark. <laughs> I'm really glad we turned off the lights. Yeah. Because it wouldn't have worked in the daytime. Yeah, you have to watch this in the dark, otherwise I think you'll be like... I think Batman is talking to Catwoman. <laughs> but it could also be the commissioner or lieutenant oh, or penguin. anybody. Oh, okay, okay. Huh. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the the darks are very true in this movie as well. Watching it in 4K, it's like, wow. That's like, yeah. you can't see anything when they're not shining those flashlight, flashlights right at the camera. Yeah, and this is like an OLED screen, so those blacks are really black it <laughs> when it's black which it's good for the contrast though because there isn't a lot of contrast but yeah very dark on multiple levels this is probably and this might be saying something this is this might be the darkest batman i think film they've made just in terms like of physically or plot wise both, both like it's just got a whole very it's got a very dark veneer even more so than maybe like the dark knight even I would say, uh, even though that film's pretty dark too. Um, Steven, this is your third time. Uh, give or take, G- give or take. Um, yeah. So now watching this like a third time, what are your thoughts and feelings on the Batman? It's just as good as the time before. Mm. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the movie overall. <clears throat> we talked about maybe something that I would catch this time compared to the previous times. And I think what would have, you know, when they, um, him and Catwoman, they're all just on the, the bicycle, the motorcycles. They're, at the end there, yeah. yeah, at the very end, they're kind of riding together. One goes one way, the other goes the other. Missed opportunity for that Charlie Puth song, See You Again. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. Like they sent off Paul Walker on Fast and the Furious, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. That, so that, that dinged it a little. That it came down in my yeah, estimation. Man. Good note, think, good note. Um, <laughs> overall, it was a, it, it's just, we mentioned it, it's a dark Batman, and I think they did a really good job at kind of portraying Batman as trying to find a way to come into his own, you know, become a hero. Um, you see the toll it's taking on him mentally. He's more involved with like the audience. I think when he's kind of narrating it for everybody, Batman sometimes is portrayed as like this hero who just comes in and fixes everything. But this one kind of shows like, you know, the turmoil, you know, the, 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 every, the problems, the other faces, like, I think he does a really good job. And, and Robert Pattinson, <laughs> when this movie first came out, it was, or didn't come out yet, but it was, he was just casted there was this talk of him not using his acting coach for the Batman role. It was funny because everyone's like, what the fuck the twilight guy. And he doesn't want to take any acting, you know, acting, uh, coaching for going into a big role. But I personally think he did a really good job. I, I thought he, you know, he did a really good job at just kind of playing the Batman role, you know, making you kind of feel with him along the way. I don't know. I thought, um, I didn't have high expectations of him in the role and I think he did a really good job overall. So yeah, again, the movie I think was great. I enjoyed it. It's always fun. Some of the action scenes are just like intense with him and the penguin and the car chase. And you know, it's just like a lot of, a lot of Batman-y things. So yeah, um, fun, <laughs> to, fun to watch for a, a third or fourth time for sure. Yeah. That, that car chase is probably like the standout action sequence of the film. And it's just like, especially when so much of the film was like, pretty morose and just kind of brooding. So that scene is just like, Oh my God. <laughs> so in your face with how intense it is. Um, yeah. Um, Jenny thoughts on the Batman. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad to be a dissenting opinion because art is so subjective. And so I hesitate to talk shit on art that other people enjoy. Um, so please don't hate me. This is why we got you. We um, love dissenting opinions. Yeah, it was about what I expected. I had a hard time staying awake. Um, I thought there were things about it that were like comically over-dramatized. <laughs> Some of the acting really didn't do it for me. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it was, I would not watch it again. Yeah. Um, was there anything because uh, I especially at the beginning you're very giggly <laughs> at how at uh, just how dramatic everything is um, as it went on uh, was there anything that you found like interesting or um, I don't know that had some kind of uh, merit for you personally watching it um, the cinematography of it is interesting like costuming choices set design like the production value of it's obviously very high spent a ton of money on this movie i am sure oh yes so it's pretty to look at um there's definitely some appeal to the mystery aspect of it like the riddlers riddles mm -hmm. holds some appeal i guess gives you something to like 
be looking for and thinking about. But other than that, like I generally found the plot disinteresting. Mm. Yeah. Um, do you think, do you think that some of that stems from the movie itself or is it just the genre? Do you think just doesn't really have the, just like just the appeal that would need to get you interested in a movie like this? Yeah, I think it's just the genre type is not, you know, it's, it is not it for me. If somebody had, um, some opinions on like the deeper meaning of this film or like what it really speaks to for them, I'd be interested to hear it because to me, I just don't read it as very substantive. Um, there's not a lot of provocation of thought watching this to me. Um, and I'd be interested to see if there's something that I'm missing or if it is just kind of a, you know, an easy watch entertainment value. Kind of thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll definitely want to get, get into definitely like what we think the movie's trying to uh, get at. Um, but uh, Aaron, um, Initial thoughts. your thoughts. This is your second time watching it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny when we were laughing early on at the big serious music and like the fight scene and everything, it was a little silly, but it made me look at Batman and Bruce Wayne in particular this time as like, God, this guy is really not okay. Mm-hmm. Like, and neither is Gordon, really. He must be really desperate to, like in the scene we're seeing again, like have him in a crime scene, like all the cops are looking at the Batman, like what the fuck is he doing in here? You know, like they really painted that picture well of like, this is, this is not a normal person. Um, (laughs) And I think they could have taken that further. Um, I feel like this time it, it felt like a tale of two movies. First half was setting up like a a really awesome crime thriller. Uh, Noir, a little bit elements in there. And then the second half was very action, very uh, retro Batman that we've come to know and love in the, in the recent movies. Did they kind of save the world? Yeah. Not really save the world, but like save the day thing at the end. Yeah. I kind of wish they would have stuck with the, the vibe they had in the first half of the movie, which was like finding this serial killer type almost who's wiping out these, these corrupt politicians. You know, that's, that's interesting to me. That was a, that's a fascinating plot. I think that's also different than most superhero movies nowadays. That's Mm -hmm. it's, keeps it keeps it to stand out from everything else and then the second half is just oh this is normal superhero stuff yeah it's just this is what we expect from any superhero movie but the first half was something that pulled you in a bit more mm-hmm. uh, you know i mean i mean we'll get into it uh but i think that you know they were trying to I, yeah, I'd be curious to hear like some of like the thought that went into the film because i feel like the back half or like especially the end it's like okay now they're trying to show you like Batman realizes he needs to be like a hero. So you kind of get like that kind of big heroic last act as kind of like, I think they're trying to make a specific character arc for him. But I, I I think I do also like it a little better when it's more playing as like a crime thriller, just with a guy kind of dressed as a bat. Like it almost kind of feels like, I mean, not exactly, but it almost feels like Sherlock Holmes and just that like, to bring it in Sherlock Holmes to come like, what do you make of this Holmes? And you know, it's like, why would you bring this guy on all these high profile cases? And just if Sherlock Holmes was a lot more emo and, 
edgelord. Oh, a lot more. Emo. Well, I mean, not that much more emo, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, which which Sherlock are we talking? Just get Batman a violin, you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, that's what we needed. Shots of Bruce Wayne just playing like bat violin music. Um, yeah, this was interesting to watch. Like, um, and partially for a very subjective reason for me. In so uh, when they were coming out uh, with the Dark Knight Rises back in the day, uh, the sequel to Dark Knight, um, this is the movie with Bane, or Batman. Um, I remember when the third was coming out. What I really wanted them to do was to do a Riddler Catwoman movie, um, and then we got like a Bane Catwoman movie. I'm like, oh okay, whatever, okay, whatever. So it was interesting. And then in my mind, yeah, like I had, I, I wanted to, see, I think it'd be like, I thought it'd be cool if they did a movie where like, yeah, someone had figured out who Batman was and like, he's trying to expose Batman for being a liar and all this stuff. And, and then the Catwoman is kind of showing up as this other kind of like vigilante and like, as like a mirror for Batman and him trying to figure out who he wants to be. And in the end, kind of figuring out like I can't just be a dark knight I need to be essentially like also a cape crusader so it's fun watching this because I'm like oh this is almost kind of like kind of what what I like wanted that third Christopher Nolan movie to be like with the Riddler and Catwoman so for me it's kind of like oh god this is kind of what I wanted all these years ago so that was kind of fun and then just to kind of just yeah so a very subjective thing for me watching it I'm like cool um Riddler was always my favorite like villain as a kid and everything. So it was fun to see like a, a more serious, uh, take on the character. Usually when they do Riddler, at least in the movies, like up to this point, we've basically had the Frank Gorshin and the Jim Carrey yeah. Riddlers. And both of them are just so si- silly and goofy. Like in Batman forever, his master plan is he's trying to steal the brains of everyone in Gotham city using like, TV that sucks your mind. We're we're a long ways away from that Riddler in this film. Um, what did you What did you think of this characterization of Riddler in particular? It, it like I always wanted to see them do a more serious take on the character, and like in my head, I always wanted them to do like a Riddler that was kind of like a DIY supervillain, which is kind of what they do here. So I kind of like that how he's he's just like a guy who's just smart. And like just like his whole costume just looks like it's just I mean he's pulling all the tape throughout the whole movie. And so he's it feels like it's literally something he's like just taped together. Um and they also kind of gave him this kind of uh, uh supercharged incel vibe. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> you know, with his little incel communities and everything, like we're gonna take the city and everything and um oh my god, he's on five chan. <laughs> Um, I never, it's and it's, I never imagined the Riddler as like a murderer. So it was interesting seeing like a serial killer version. I guess they based him off of the Zodiac killer was their big inspiration for Riddler in this film. And that was kind of interesting to see. Um, and I think, uh, I guess one thing I would have liked to see a little bit more. I mean, I mean, I'm loath to say more because the movie is three hours. (laughs) So I don't know if we needed more of anything. Um, but I like. Um, you know, it's fun seeing like, cause they portray very much Batman almost as like, also like a kind of incel edgelord kind of, 
in this movie. So it's kind of interesting. Like he's the hero, but he's also like, kind of like, you're also kind of weird and creepy and, um, which I kind of like that. Then like, you know, Riddler is an interesting contrast. Um, so, and I always like Riddler's always tough to do. So it's fun to see them try to do like the the riddles and try to make it like a crime thriller. Um, yeah, I think on the whole, I, I, I enjoyed the film. I don't think I would rank this as my favorite Batman film, nor would I rank this as my least favorite. I think this for me is kind of like a, probably a square in the middle kind of for me, as far as Batman movies go. Um, or would you pair it with the dark Knight? Yeah. Like I would definitely rank dark Knight higher. And I, I would still probably say that's the best Batman film they ever did. Um, it was interesting. Like you almost said kind of like a tale of two cities. Part of me was watching this. I'm like, and we were talking about like the ending versus kind of like how they set it up. I kind of feel like, like you were saying, Rachel, there's stuff about it that makes it feel very distinctive, uh, and stand out against some other superhero movies. But then as I was watching, I'm like, that being said, this is still very much like a, a, a Batman movie. And I'm like, I kind of feel like I've seen this before. It doesn't feel that much different from, say, like Dark Rises or Dark Knight, you know, like some one person who wants to make a, a statement about how corrupt Gotham is, you know, and it's like, and like, I will show you all tonight when my master plan comes into fruition. So I guess part of me is like, I mean, but is that can you get too far away from that in a Batman story or in, in a Batman movie? I don't know. Maybe not with live action. I don't know. Yeah. So on one hand, I really like the kind of novelty of what the movie is uh, and how it's trying to be different. But at the same time, I'm like it also just kind of feels like another Batman movie. Uh, I do think it was too long. Um, it's three hours. I, I feel like they could have, cut like a whole hour from this film. And I think the, for me, I think that would have fixed some pacing issues. Um, but I did like the movie. Cut the shot. So good. Makes the mansion look like an Escher painting or something. Yeah. Some of like the set design and some of like the aesthetic design, I think is really cool in this film. Um, it's not, it's not like Christopher Nolan tried to be as realistic as he could. And there's still some of that gritty realism in this, but this feels much more stylized than I think those Christopher Nolan films. And, um, I do appreciate that. Um, I guess, uh, getting into it, the, the movie's called the Batman. So that seems like the most obvious thing to talk about first. Like what's the feeling just on this characterization of Batman um, on its own or compared to other Batmans, Robert Pattinson. I don't know. What, what are we thinking about yeah, this, this version of Batman? I love that Bruce Wayne almost doesn't exist in this movie. He's very much just Batman. He's not interested in being a, a normal person uh, that lives in society or functions. He's just interested in being the Batman. Um, you'll always kind of see like the half and half in the movies, mm -hmm. him battling that. And it looks like he's just completely lost the battle at this point. He is just lost in the sauce of being bats. Mm. <laughs> lost in the bat sauce. Lost in the bat sauce. Bat sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Which you cannot get here in America. Mm. Um. <laughs> um, 
I don't know, what do you think, Jenny? I mean, like, I know you like Robert Pattinson. What do you feel about, like, this kind of Batman character? Um, I guess it's hard to compare because I don't watch other Batman movies. He seemed super emo, like, clearly not doing well. Um, I don't know how much of that was intentional, like, supposed to be speaking to his, like, loss of self, like Aaron was just saying. Um, I mean, the way the story unfolds, it seems like there's trying to be a little bit of character development and him realizing that, like, he's stuck in the past by being the vengeance and that maybe that's not how he wants to, like, proceed. So maybe that was intentional, but yeah, he just seemed like kind of a emo, whiny Batman. <laughs> um, emo, whiny Batman. Yeah, definitely. This is definitely the most emo I think we've ever seen the character. Um which kind of works for me. I I definitely want to get uh, the other two, your thoughts. Um, part of me I likes that, though, because it is so... The idea of Batman is so ridiculous. And so I, I do like the emo kind of really showing, like, this guy is just so lost in his own bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, Where does he get his eye makeup? Like <laughs> Special delivery. Spirit Halloween. <laughs> Obviously, no questions asked. November first, he just buys everything in stock and keeps it for the whole year, <laughs> including flares. Yep, in his bat suit, just with like a shopping cart going down. One guy, forty-five thousand cases of of bat cape fabric. <laughs> girl at the girl at uh, Spirit Halloween's like, you know, you can get a better deal at Costco, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Costco. It's too busy on Sundays. <laughs> it's the only time I have. Thank you. Um, Steven, Rachel, what do you, how do you guys feel about this Robert Pattinson? I, I touched on it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I thought he does a good job. I thought he did a better job than I expected when I heard he was casted. So um, I'm kind of more on the on the side of I like that darker feel of him. I like that more in his mind kind of feel like we – Think about how, you know, they're just kind of riding around their flashy Bruce Wayne, you know, like it's just kind of like a fun time being Bruce Wayne and and, and Batman when they're more than a 50-50 kind of split. But I thought it was just a good job at just kind of showing the trouble he goes through, you know, the mental like barriers, the obstacles he's going through, you know, things he's holding on into the past. So I, I liked it. Um, I thought he did a good job and I liked this version of it too, so. I would probably, as far as previous Batmans, I don't know. What do you guys think? Christian Bale, Michael Keaton. Who's 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 at the top of the list? Gosh. Yeah, we should get everyone's favorite Batman. Well, Steve, you, you asked the question. Who's yours? Ooh. Favorite Batman. Who did it best? Who wore the cow best? George Clooney. Nope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a tough question. Oh, God, what's um, his name? The guy that did the animated voices in all the movies. In the Kevin series. Conroy. Kevin Conroy for me, man. Absolutely. Alfred. Corbin. Alfred. Barbara. Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> Joker. I you know I would probably say I know it's it's I would also probably say Kevin Conroy. I don't know if that's kind of a cheat, just in that he's not one of the live action ones. He does a lot of the cartoon and video game stuff, but. I don't, that to me in my head when I think of like Batman, 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 that's kind of yeah. My mind always goes to the animated series one, the cartoon and, one, and his voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had to pick a movie one, probably I would say Christian Bale. He was the Batman for us, our generation. Yeah, you know. 
And I love Batman Begins. That's one of that's still my favorite Batman movie. Batman Begins. Mm-hmm. Rachel, do you have a favorite Batman? Well, I haven't seen a lot of them, but no. Christian Bale was my first Batman. So Christian Bale, or so I kind of by default, but also before this, all I had to compare him to was Ben Affleck. So I mean, oh yeah, you saw the Ben Affleck one too. <laughs> but yeah, Christian Bale was my first Batman, so I think it kind of just holds a special place in my heart that way. Yeah, Christian Bale. Um, how do you feel about Robert Pattinson as Batman in this film? Again, enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Yeah. I was not looking forward to it when I found out he was cast. I do like Robert Pattinson a lot, but I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Mm. So very happy with how it turned out mm. in comparison to what I expected. Yeah. it's. I, I know some people, uh, because I, I have other friends who watch this, and I definitely get some mixed responses. I know some people really like Robert Pattinson, and then some are just like, I, I did not like him at all. Um, I think again for me, like with the movie, I think he's kind of smack dab in the middle for me. He's like, that was fine. Um, I know some people will give me flack for this. If I had to pick a movie version that I liked the best, I might go with the Ben Affleck one. I know some people really like what I liked him as Batman. I just didn't think his movies with him in it were very good. His movies did him great injustice. He was a solid Batman and a really good Bruce Wayne. That could Uh, be why I didn't like him that much. I didn't know much about Batman beforehand. So I went in just knowing what I learned from those movies. uh, So I had like, we kind of talked about no emotional connection mm, to Batman because we were just kind of thrown in mm -hmm. without, what this was supposed to be originally sure and you can see that as seeing as this movie was kind of crafted for that version of batman that's like if batfleck made it to 50 basically mm-hmm. you see what he ends up being in justice league just all jaded and cynical and mm-hmm. yeah i can imagine a version of this movie where it's the ben affleck it'd be a little different because he's like much older um i can definitely imagine a version of this film with batfleck um what about like the, I don't know, the kind of, I don't know, like the, the character like arc he goes on. Um, do, do, do we think, how do we think that works? Does it really work? Like, cause it seems like so much of the movie is him trying to figure himself out, you know, and at the end it's like, I need to be more than vengeance. I don't know. How does that, how do we feel that kind of plays out in this film? They very clearly wanted to set it up for another movie. Mm. especially towards the end like oh man we're gonna need three more hours to tell this story (laughs) (laughs) um i guess this is supposed to be the beginning of like a new like shared batman kind of universe thing Um, i think the next one is in production batman part two yeah i don't know what it's called but i'm pretty i think it is supposed to be like it's supposed to be the batman part two but uh good news is the joker kind of took a back seat i think to bringing in someone else Rumor has it it might be a Mr. Freeze. That was one thing I was worried about because I'm like, are they setting up the Joker? Yeah. Again? Why do I feel like every other Batman film is setting up the Joker for a, the next film? They took know? a lot every of shit <laughs> online for that, so I think they backtracked a little bit. It almost kind of pulls out the rug from like Riddler at the end. Yeah, it does. It's like, oh, but yeah, but yeah, uh, a Joker. Whose motivations also kind of turned a little bit Jokery in the in the third act. And that's a word, Jokery. I'm going to blow up the city and 
Trap all the people inside this stadium. <laughs> like a snow globe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think one thing that yeah, that kind of pulls the movie down a little bit for me is just, yeah, some of the character arcs don't feel like they get fully completed. I don't know how some of you all feel. Um, just because I feel like so much of the movie like was Batman just like, I got to do this. And then him kind of becoming like, hero Batman at the end feel, felt like it was a little rushed. Just it was like, a very quick arc. It was constant, 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 and then all of a sudden the change was there. Yeah. Within like the last 20 minutes, I felt like. Yeah. It was like two and a half hours, and I'm like, he's being confronted with some stuff, and like he learns some stuff about like his dad and his past, but even that, he seems to kind of real quick, they're like, oh no, your dad was actually really good. So you don't have to worry about that. And so like, oh, okay. So he's, I guess he's like, even that doesn't really like, he's more or less in this kind of same place, the whole movie. And at the end is where I feel like he kind of has this, maybe I could be, I don't know, like a hero too. Maybe. Um, So that felt a little rushed to me. I I like the idea of him figuring out he needs to be more than like vengeance. It just felt a little, it almost felt like the movie was spending a lot of time being like, look how like edgy and, like this guy is, you know, it's kind of cool. Right. But it's like, Oh, but maybe he needs to be a better person. (laughs) Um, but I don't know. How do you guys feel about like, I don't know, like that kind of like his character arc. Does it work for, does it work for you, Steven? I think if we look at it as just like a, there's more movies to come kind of perspective, like, yeah, I mean, it sets him up as a good first, three hour Batman and then we might get another Batman three hours later that's more of a hero of Gotham City um you know I I think we're we're right where it's I mean at least three three movies you know probably we're gonna see with Pattinson maybe right I don't know and um you know we could see a lot more character development you know throughout the entirety of the trilogy we'll, we'll just call it and um so I thought it was a good first movie you know um some of the times we we've seen Batman, it's it's in the middle of ass kicking and, you know, just kind of saving Gotham over and over and over again. And now we get like kind of like a like a precursor to Batman. Right. Like someone that's just kind of building himself to Batman beforehand. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I was OK with it, mm. you know. Um, it's almost like kind of how James Bond feels a little bit in Casino Royale where he's not like not quite quite there yet. But you can tell like, well, but you are James Bond. He's very rough around the edges, and he's like very much lost in the shit. Um, it's kind of like a one man, I don't know, army. And then kind of at the end, he kind of realizes he's like, oh, I got, like, I'm not careful, I don't lose my soul. Kind of has a similar kind of vibe to that. Um, I wonder if they wanted to take it even further with like the government corruption and the mob story. You know, really go for it, but uh-huh. may- maybe got that got the axe in favor of like a more action heavy ending mm. yeah maybe because we really could have seen bruce go to a dark place i don't know i don't know why i'm rooting for that so bad <laughs> just wait for the uncut version could have been darker that one's six hours <laughs> that's a six hour flip <laughs> the batman um it's already in all caps i don't know what else they can do to emphasize it <laughs> the batman <laughs> um yeah, and I think Riddler kind of also, for me, like, um, yeah, like, I wasn't sure why. he His motivations became, like, okay, he's trying to, like, 
it's a very extreme version of like whistleblowing. Um, you know, he's also murdering people. I just don't, I don't quite understand his motivation to blow up <laughs> like the city at the end where it's like, I thought your whole thing was to like, we're going to kill these guys and expose the lies and you know, yeah. but now I'm just going to destroy the whole city. That's where the movie kind of takes a left turn for me. It's like, wait, why? What? What's going on? Because you had me. Yeah. Uh, I was all in up until why? Why are we blowing up the seawall? Yeah, it's just the motivation gets lost for me for the Riddler at that moment. Mm. And oh. then that other moment we were kind of laughing at where the cops have Batman <laughs> in, in unconscious in their grasp and they don't unmask him. They don't do anything. They're like, oh, don't touch him. Yeah, <laughs> just look in his eyes. <laughs> Is he, is he alive? Trying okay. to do the eye exam, but trying to like push the mask out of the way. It's like, come on, it's guys. Over. Take it's over. the mask off. <laughs> well, we can't. Plot armor. You just can't get it off. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I think for me with the Riddler motivation, I think I could see it at the end. I could see it kind of the foundation that was built the whole time. It just felt like all of a sudden there was this massive jump as to I'm going to do one person and one person and slowly share these awful crimes these people have committed and these corrupted people have done. And now we're just going to blow up the whole city so that everybody else that's also been targeted our whole lives can have vengeance and revenge and all of that kind of stuff. And it just felt like a very big jump. Like there should have been another step or two in, in the middle there that was just kind of left out. Mm-hmm. It really did escalate quick, didn't it? Yeah. Like I could see, I could see the morsel that was, that it came from. But then it just, you know, the whole city from three people. Mm-hmm. And, and like no intelligence agencies were watching these guys, watching Batman. <laughs> you kind of have to take it with like just this huge grain of salt. Like Batman would be taken down by the FBI or the CIA within hours of existing. You know what I mean? Well, you would think the Riddler would be too relatively quickly, especially yeah. if they're if killing mayors and killing commissioners and things on the internet live. Yeah. You know, I feel like that's something they would hop on relatively quickly. But again, by the end of it, I think this all happened in the span of like a week is yeah. what it seemed like by the end, which is very quickly. Yeah. So. Um, I guess this is someone inspired off of Batman, the long Halloween. So that's why it's supposed to be like set in this kind of like period after Halloween. Um, yeah. It, it, you know, it seems like, this movie had three hours, so I kind of feel like there was plenty of time to flesh out some of this kind of character arc and growth. It just, I don't know, there just doesn't seem, there's a lot of scenes it feels like where they're just kind of talking about plot stuff. It's like, well, what about, you know, Falcone's man and, you know, Moroni? A lot of stuff like that. And I wish we had a little, just a little more stuff that it's, I mean, it's there, but some stuff that kind of fleshes out some of this more especially I think with like the Riddler a little bit, especially like show him how he gets to this point. Um, and then just a little bit more with Batman to see him like really kind of really figure out being the hero stuff. I think that's a problem with trilogies a lot is when you have this typical, you have the first one where it sets up everything. And then the second one where it's just everything builds to the final. And then the third one is the final battle. Just that's the general arc. But this one, it felt like it was trying to set something up, but also still be its own film in case the rest of them don't get greenlit by the studio. Yeah, That's right? where it kind of felt the conflict for me. Mm. And so I'm not, I, I think, you know, I don't know. It just, it felt like it was trying to do too many things at once. 
Yeah. Like, I still enjoyed it. Still mm-hmm. had a good time. Would yeah. I watch it again? Probably. Mm-hmm. But it still felt like it was butting heads with itself. Yeah, I wonder how much of that is, like, studio mandated stuff. Sure. Like, versus what Matt Reeves wanted to do. I mean, do you feel, like, that climax almost feels like the studio's like... <sighs> We need more pews. Where's your big save the world thing at the end? I, isn't someone supposed to snap his fingers in these movies and people die? I mean, where's that? Well, and you find the big thing with, um, it's really common with television writers versus film writers, is television writers, they kind of get to stay involved through the whole process and make sure that what they wrote is, you know, relatively true to itself. Whereas if, when you write screenplays for films, you basically hand it over to the studio and you're like, okay, have fun, and then it, you don't touch it again. So it really could be, who knows how much of this was actually in the original script and how much was changed. It could very well be like, oh, we wanted an action sequence at the end that's going to be Save the World. And so they just cut out the last 20 pages and threw that in. <laughs> Call Michael Bay. Let's get him in for the last <laughs> We want explosions. What's Michael Bay doing? Can we get him? He's busy working on Beast Wars, which I'm actually kind of excited Oh my God, yeah, the new Transformers movie with the, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the Maximals, the animal ones coming in now. Really excited to watch Michael Bay ruin that one too. <laughs> Um. Yeah, and I think that also uh, along those lines, Rachel, it kind of goes into the same, and like you said, Aaron, tale of two movies thing, where it's like, again, there feels like there is this kind of auteur, and they specifically hired Matt Reeves because they wanted like a film auteur to do it. So it has that feel, but then it also there feels like, but make sure you got to make sure you do this. You got to make sure you do this. You got to make sure you do this. So it's like, are you going to let it be like an auteur film or not i mean you know these you know it almost it does it a disservice it could have been a great standalone film you know if they had just trusted the audience to love it and then let that bring sequels as opposed to like setting up sequels and like oh it's coming you need to get excited yeah no you can feel the studio messing around with certain parts of it you can feel like something is slightly off and then it would go back to how it was. You kind of just look over it, but you could feel when you're, if you're looking for it, you can feel where the studio kind of put their magic touch on it. Absolutely. Um, kind of going more with that. Like, how do we feel about like more like the story itself and kind of like some of the themes they're playing with in this film? What do you like? What do you, yeah. What do you think we're, they're trying to get at with this film? Like, What are they trying to get across with this film? Kick ass. (laughs) Batman kicks ass. Burn it all down. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, there are lots of, there's lots of stuff about, like, you know, his personal stuff. But then there's, like, they're definitely speaking to, um, um, social justice stuff, you know, in this film. Um, and, like, um, Class inequality, you know, especially with like the Riddler, like multiple characters kind of call out Batman, like you're rich or you probably grew up rich, didn't you? Um, I think the part about that that stood out to me the most was between him and Catwoman when he's in her apartment and then pulls out the final notice for the bill before they got evicted. And she's like comes out with her little bike and has just like a rope and is kicking ass and he's there with his, you know flare in one pocket and you know whatever in the other and it's just kind of interesting to see that they can still do all of this but he comes from this particular class and she comes from this you know struggling to make ends meet 
so I think there were a lot of points where they made very they made it very clear that they were trying to point that out. Hmm. Um, what do you think, Jenny? I mean, like, as far as like, you know, like you said earlier, like being like a social justice and trauma nerd. That's what you said, right? I did not call myself a trauma nerd. Okay, not trauma nerd, social justice nerd. Are you a trauma <laughs> yes. nerd? What, tra- is, tra- tra- <laughs> what even is that? Trauma nerd, <laughs> forgive me. Um, I felt like... They were definitely alluding to things like, you know, class issues and like government corruption, but they didn't really go anywhere with it or, you know, take it anywhere. I mean, if anything, they were talking about government corruption under the sense of only crazy people care about this. Hmm. Like the Riddler was the one pointing all of this out and the Riddler's the bad guy for this whole movie. It, if anything, I think really um, like delegitimizes those criticisms. Mm. I don't think that this movie does anything for like furthering any cause of awareness or you know what I mean. That's a trope that shows up a lot in these kinds of movies where the bad guys actually are, are pointing out a lot of really important issues in our reality, but they're labeled the bad guys for some reason. You know, it's like, wait, wait a minute. If you really stop and think about it, you know. Yeah, it's the irresponsible, like, rich, white guy that gets all of the screen time. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the interesting character. At the end, I guess he pulls a piece of metal off some people so they can walk into the flood. <laughs> but, like, he doesn't do anything to really help anyone this whole movie. Just at the end there. And even then. He saved them all from, like, the electricity, I guess. He sn- he snipped the cord. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> then pulled out his flare, and you know they did a whole Moses parting the Red Sea moment. Yeah, he was he was a holy figure. You know what's funny is he mm. had the woman that he was chasing in this part initially in Catwoman's apartment, and he cho- he chooses to chase Catwoman instead of go and talk to that lady, mm. even though she's there at the time alive. He's also spying on her changing and like right. grabs her and like, he's not a, I mean, I don't think anyone's saying like, Batman's a really good person in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> but he also is like, he's the idol of the film. Sure. Well, and it's, it's interesting that you say that too, because you know, him and the Riddler almost like have the same agenda, like for, an hour and a half of the movie and yet the riddler is the one who's labeled like the bad guy but they're both trying to fight crime corruption you know get rid of it and so it's it's just interesting how it plays out and yeah like the riddler is killing people right but they all had dirt on them you know and like you'd see that in a regular movie and you'd be like well yeah he was a bad guy so he dies <laughs> right so it's not even just that the riddler is doing it like we we think Denzel Washington or Arnold Schwarzenegger does it in another movie and it's okay, you know? So it's kind of funny that they have that same agenda for a while. It's just the, the lengths that uh, Riddler was going to go to compared to the Batman. Yeah. I was wondering if they were going to take things a little further and like have more self-awareness in the film. And I was waiting to see if that would happen because I felt like they were setting it up for some of that. Like Batman clearly has a little bit of awareness that like, near the end that you know oh maybe i haven't been approaching things right like it's alluded to but it never commits to being a self-reflective film Mm. not that i could see anyway Mm. the potential was there for sure 
Well, it's like, yeah, like you said, Aaron, like they speak to it. Um, um, but Jenny nailed it though. It's like, they don't go anywhere with it after that, mm-hmm. after they speak to it. It's like, there that is. And moving on to the pew pews. Right. Like, again, like, like mentioned earlier, like th- the closest it comes is to, cause they, a couple times they like, you know, you're rich, you're rich. And, you know, and like Catwoman has the line about like, you know, like, all you know, all these right, these white, you know, rich guys running the city, and then that's why anyone cares about any of this. So, like, they speak to it. The closest I feel like they get to really getting any kind of like reflective, it's like when they're like, "Oh, Thomas Wayne, Bruce's dad, also had issues." But again, that lasted like the conflict from that lasted for a second because again, the movie's real quick to be like, "Oh no, 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 no." It's like, okay. It's, it's like he he didn't actually try to murder. He didn't, him, Alfred's you know, okay so. too. Alfred didn't die. And Thomas Wayne is good. Right, right. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, what was up with that scene? Like, I thought they actually killed Alfred. Which would have been compelling. So that hit way harder for me. I'm like, wow, they killed him. And then suddenly he's just like in bed with the oxygen up his nose and he wakes up and, you know, Bruce uh, Bruce is there and they have that scene. I'm like, oh, he's alive. <laughs> I got C4 to the face. And then Bruce made that scene all about him. Yep. That moment, he's like, you're okay? I'm going to dig into you so hard right now. <laughs> and then after they find that moment of like understanding Bruce's like makes it all about himself. He's like, I've been doing things all wrong. I, 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 me, me, me. And then Alfred's like, yep, <laughs> you're a piece of shit, but I still love you, man. <laughs> it was, it was a well done scene, but yeah, wild. I thought what you mentioned there too, though, is I don't, you know, I haven't seen every single Batman movie, but getting a little bit more context behind his parents' death, you know, that was something that was a little bit interesting to me when I first, you know, saw the movie is like, you know, you know, they die like you. OK, out of a theater, you know, they get shot, murdered, like, you know, you don't get a lot of context behind it. So I thought it was interesting that they went down that path. I don't know if they had to, but the fact that they went down it and kind of shared with the audience, hey, like we have a little bit more information on you know what happened to you. I don't know if that happens in the comics or not. But uh, yeah. No, you don't usually get that additional like layer of the renewal fund and that whole plot. And I actually like that. That gives uh, more depth to his backstory. I appreciated that take because usually, yeah, all you get is, Oh no, the falling pearls of Martha Wayne and mm-hmm. Bruce witnesses this horrible thing that happens. Yeah. But it's nice to have more than that, more, have that heightened drama than it just be like a random mugging that occurs, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, again, yeah, Tale of Two Movies, I feel like that's definitely, like, the story of this film in, in the sense of, like, because if you think about it, it's like, oh, yeah, like, his dad's like, I'm going to try to do this amazing thing um, and with, like, my charity. And, like, we're going to get past the red tape. We're going to get past the government stuff. And, like, I'm going to put my billions and we're going to save the city. And then, of course, you know, it turns up, oh, great, yeah, this charity with no oversight <laughs> instantly just kind of becomes corrupted. So it's like, okay. So, and then, so it's kind of like the movie on one hand seems to want to say, yeah, rich, just rich people just by themselves can't just save things. Like it takes a village. Um, but then again, on the other hand, Bruce Wayne walks away looking like a hero in the film. 
who's also just a rich, really rich kid, billionaire, on now like on a one-man like thing against crime. And he even says at the beginning, it's like, I don't know if I've made anything better. Crime's actually gone up. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> so really we need the billionaires and the Riddler psychopath types to come together and find a way to improve society. And I think we'll all be okay. Yeah. Is what they were, that maybe that was what the takeaway is? Yeah. <laughs> I felt like they really teased some good character development and like social commentary, but then we're like, JK, we don't have time for that. And just like nailed down to like corruption, corruption, corruption plot lines instead. Mm-hmm. They only had three hours. I mean, <laughs> we ran out of time. Oh, wow. These issues are complex. <laughs> what did I get myself into? I, again, I also wonder if, if some of that is because of the, the studio saying like you're going too far yeah like, we can't do that with this character and like again maybe with the ending it's didn't like, you say it was written and produced by the same guy yeah but like it, but it's very rarely the case for a franchise or like ip thing that like people just get to make a movie with no one telling them what to do like even if they're paying for it so, i mean the studio's paying for it so like even even though he's a producer on it, it's still like the studio saying like, "Well, we want this to launch like a Batman franchise." So it it kind of has to toe the line to some degree. Um, like like the whole ending with like you know well, because Riddler is more sympathetic for most, even though he's like a serial killer. But it's like and it's like he's misguided. He's killing people, but trying to like shed light. But in the end, they make him completely irredeemable when he's like. And I'm going to destroy basically the city and everything. So then it's like, oh yeah, we can't we can't flirt with the idea of this guy being right in any way. Like we've got like in the end, he has to like be the doomsday villain who's going to kill everyone. It's like okay, that's better. That's better. <laughs> right. It kind of feels like if you were the writer, then your intention would be to to take that even further, to not even end the Riddler's uh, reign of terror in her first movie. I don't know. Mm-hmm think if you didn't know anything about Batman and you had the script laid in front of you, would you think that the Riddler or Batman was the protagonist of the movie for like the first <laughs> little bit? You're like, Wait. yeah, right. Hmm. Who's the good guy here? Depends. Is, Is it there... still called the Batman? <laughs> the Riddler. Is there a good guy? By the end, there is. He's very sure. clearly a hero in the end. Yeah. Even though for the other two and a half hours, he's kind of like, eh. <laughs> But he's not being a hero by, like, putting his billions of dollars into some useful place. He's being a hero by helping a woman onto a stretcher, which any EMT or anyone else could do. <laughs> in a very expensive suit. Yeah. <laughs> hey, EMT, go ahead and take a break. I'm going to take this person up. I got it. I'm going to take him up into the chopper. Use your money for us, less ridiculous things. <laughs> but thanks. Uh, did you get the shot? Okay, you back to work now. I'm gonna go. <laughs> He's got to go buy more black makeup and flares the spirit Halloween. I'm not changing anything about my methods. Mm, You're He's welcome. so self-absorbed. Yeah, very self-absorbed. Um, I don't. It's interesting. It's like it's it's almost like the movie presents him. It's like there are bad edge lords. Than there are good edgelords. Oh. That's almost. And at the end, it was like, well, he's the good one. These just are the bad ones. Um, but that, which is an interesting, like, I don't know. It, it had just an interesting vibe to me. It's like, 
which edgelord am I supposed to be rooting for <laughs> right now? <laughs> well, I think uh, it's also when you look at branding of, of any product, you've got like a color guide. You've got very particular things that you cannot divert from. And I'm wondering if there's something that has that they have with those characters where it's like, oh, the Riddler is a villain. So by the end, no matter what you do in the middle, he has to still be a villain, a bad guy that has a very clear black and white yes or no ending mm-hmm. which but they negates everything the they did the first three hours anti-abortion so what but they couldn't have made the riddler anti-abortion no <laughs> <laughs> um no they probably would have depending on whose money was behind it no yeah i don't know like it, oh he's it, an anarchist and he's anti-abortion oh my goodness you know, it's, you know, going into a question from earlier at the beginning, it's like reinterpretation. Um, I can see a, a universe where there isn't a lot of like, say like big studio influence and someone just got to make just this independent film. That's like, I really, really just want to take a look at this character. And I can see the, that film being a lot more actually critical about just the idea of Batman. It's like Batman in like the 21st century, especially nowadays, like in a post like um, Occupy Wall Street, Eat the Rich world. It's like Batman has a, he plays a little differently nowadays than say like when he was created back in like the 30s, you know, and he's like this kind of upstanding, you know, multimillionaire Bruce Wayne and his youthful war, Dick Grayson. And he's just like this upstanding who, who always spends his money, you know, responsibly and well, and he's just a pillar of this, of the society. Um, it's interesting just seeing how a character like Batman plays now in a 21st century where it's like, you can't help be like, you're just a billionaire prick though, like living out your fantasy. <laughs> and the movie never fully commits to like, like criticizing it. Um, and kind of or critiquing it and like it gets close i think but in the end it's like oh but see he's good i think it gets close as close as it can get without ostracizing an entire group of people from ever seeing the movie yeah (laughs) that's that's the real goal which is what they're worried about we can't lose that audience Mm -hmm. that market share that's that's what i was just thinking like it's just too big there's too much money involved internationally he's too big he's too popular right for you to really tell that story the way you want to anymore you, did, you have to make up your own superhero. This is a podcast about artistic integrity. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our artistic integrity stories. <laughs> <laughs> and in that way, he's very similar to Star Trek, Batman's character. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, also continuing on with like the, the question we asked earlier at the beginning, it's like, you know, the value of reinterpretation. It's like. Can, can was someone like Batman, who is there are so many different versions of now. Like, at, at this point, is it just on? Is it is it for lack of a better term, is it just like window dressing? Is that like in terms of like, well, he he's gonna look like this, and he'll be a little more like this. It's like, can they push further than that in any of these? Like. Or, do, or are they kind of locked into something? Like, can they only go so far with it? And then, so I guess the question is like, like I guess at what point would it become like re, regurgitation versus like 
an, an, an interesting new interpretation. I feel like we're in regurgitation right now. Sadly, that's the feeling in the pit of my stomach. Every time I watch one of these movies, mm. as, as much as I love the characters and the stories and I'm like, yay, a new Batman. That's always my takeaway is like, God, it was just another Batman movie. Mm. Again, how many do we need? How many is enough? Mm. It was just another Spider-Man. It was a terrible Doctor Strange. It was like, <laughs> does every character need 18 sequels to their to their life? Like, there's got to be more room for originality with all that money that's being thrown around. Mm. Yeah, I, it's the biggest thing that drives me nuts with old Hollywood mm. and what's holding a, holding media back and holding content back from taking that next step into the future. At the end of the day, I think, you know, a lot of the times it's just the director, it's the producer, whoever it is, they want to make the best one. Mm. You know, they want to have the best movie. They want to be the one that stands out when you think of a Batman movie. And so they want to cash out too. you know, it what becomes I mean? competition, you know, and um, I sometimes like kind of, you know, falter to that mindset too, where it's like, well, you know, they're also just trying to outdo one another, yeah. you know, make it better, bigger, better than the, the previous person. So mm. also that floating around probably plays a factor into it my batman made more money than your batman <laughs> batman measuring competition mm -hmm. um i think if it wasn't as often like i think one of the things when you re when you bring back older characters or older stories there has to be some sort of change in it and i think a lot of that it can be generational so like if this had been done in the 70s and 80s and they hadn't done it for 15 20 years let a new group of people find the character and then reinterpret it and reimagine it to work with that generation and the topics going on in the news, those current events, I could see it being a bit more successful mm. rather than, like he said, a regurgitation of just what has been done the same over those last 20 years. Nothing has changed. Mm. So I think when you have like a generational aspect too, mm. it has potential, but mm. if you're just doing it over and over again. Yeah. You know what they really should do if they really want to change it up? Squirrel Girl. <laughs> Squirrel Girl, huh? That's right. <laughs> who's, who's the sidekick? I can't even remember. Nutsack. Squirrel Girl. No, Squirrel Girl is a legit character. She's a joke character, but she's actually one of the most powerful characters, and I think it's the DCU. It might be MCU. Of I course. love that yeah. so much. It is the MCU because she defeats Thanos single-handedly in one of the frames. Squirrel, Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl. Um... Well, like, you know, like on along that line, like, you know what they should do? What I would, for me, Batman's gotten a little too self serious. Um, and my personal favorite, I wouldn't say this is the best version, but the the version of Batman I always love going to that always gives me the biggest kick is the 1960s Adam West Batman because it's just, it's the version of Batman that's like, it's a guy dressed in a, as a bat, who is fighting themed villains, like. It's absurd and ridiculous. Just have, and it's just crazy colors and just bizarro. There's just there. The whole thing is just showing you how fun and silly all this is. I wish a just a little bit more of that would come back. Just that, like, it could stand to use a, have a little bit of that kind of Marvel fun, like infused into it. Even with Iron Man, who's basically their version of Batman, and has his own dark elements. They ha they still have way more fun with you get the good one-liners every once in a while or the, the snarky attitude the sarcasm yeah the something there's it's not just 
I'm an emotional Batman that lives in a cave with this guy Alfred, and we we fight crime secretly. Mm-hmm. Right. We yeah. could have seen at least like more of a bromance between Gordon and Bats. Mm. That would have been compelling. Yeah. That would have been fun. Yeah, just a little more of like I don't know humor. Like why do you guys work together? <laughs> Who are you guys? It's just to be, I feel like it's a very one one sided character, and I feel like a glimmer of something would be a nice change of pace. Yeah. Yeah, change it up a little. Like, just this movie does feel very, not entirely. And again, because I, I I did enjoy the movie. It does feel like a little like one note though. It just kind of has this one vibe the whole time, or and maybe it oscillates between like the really intense and then like the really kind of quiet, melancholic stuff. Um. And I just yeah, it'd be fun just to have a little more. Like for me, some of the best horror films have a kind of. A, a wry grin behind it, like a little bit of a sense of humor behind it. Like you watch a movie like the omen, you know, and it's this movie about this couple who realize they've given birth to the antichrist. <laughs> um, and it's like, it's, it is so dramatic. Like the music in that movie, just kink, 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 oh, with the choirs and everything. And it's just so bombastic and ridiculous. Kind of like this. It's just so bombastic. But then some of it is also just, kind there's a sense of humor behind it where like the film is also clearly about parental anxiety about having a kid and just that kind of parent fantasy of like god we wish our kid was the antichrist so we could justify killing them and getting them out of their lives so there's this kind of macabre sense of humor about it and i think something like that would be really it, it would kind of i don't know um give a little more like fun and color to the to a film like this like you need a little bit of like a downbeat comedy type something every yeah. once in a while just sprinkled in yeah a little bit of a dark comedy because otherwise it's so serious um which get then gets to the point where you know he says things like i'm vengeance and we all laugh our asses <laughs> off because it's just how can you take that seriously <laughs> like there's only so many times you can sit there and watch him say the same things over and over again in the exact same tone and just not be like okay how how are you still serious come yeah. on right it, it almost becomes self parody it's why everyone laughs when you turn to a group of people and say I'm Batman and everyone laughs their ass off <laughs> right yeah especially after that for all those who are community fans after that it was the first season episode where Batman uh, Abed is Batman for Halloween he saves Pierce and yeah. Jeff. You mean the, one of the best episodes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then at the end of the episode, there's just that like Batman monologue he gives, which is just, <laughs> it's just complete nonsense. But like, but when you're awake, or when you're asleep, I'm awake. I'm awake all the time. Well, not all the time. Sometimes I sleep, <laughs> but not during the night. I don't even know party while Batman is here. <laughs> I'm worried that if I was cookie, I just... That you would hear yourself. I wouldn't even question it. I wouldn't even question it. <laughs> and then it pans up, of course, to him just standing on the edge of this roof of the school, staring down at everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> like every single Batman movie ends. I'm not a man. I'm a bat. Well, I'm not a bat. I am a man. I'm a Batman. <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> that kind of thing, you know? Like, it once needs you... something. Yeah. <laughs> and so now, like, after that... Anytime they try to do anything like this in a Batman movie, I can't help but just be like, just think of Abed <laughs> doing the bad voice. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's so it is kind of hard to take completely seriously, especially with how serious and dark and bleak the movie is. Um, 
I think, yeah, a little bit of that humor could go a long ways to kind of, I don't know, spruce it up a little bit. And spread the message. That it, what Did we decide on a message? What was it trying to say? Corruption bad? Corrup- yeah, corruption bad. Um, don't, I don't know. If you're going to be an edgelord, be a hero edgelord. Yeah. <laughs> um, Talk to the quiet kids in class. Is that the message? If you see seven van- vans parked around the city, just stay away. <laughs> don't trust cops. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Don't trust cops. <laughs> yep. That's a big one. Don't trust people in positions of power just because they're in positions of power. I love that. Yeah. Um, Sometimes they're like this dick DA. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, how does Batman survive that explosion? How does Batman That was survive? the first thing I thought of when it, when <laughs> it like, hits him right in the face and I'm like... He's fine. You're okay? Yeah. You're okay, bro? Alfred too. C4. He's good. Yeah. Do you remember when Batman flew like 300 feet in the air, <laughs> rolling on the floor and hitting things, and he was totally Oh, fine. the squirrel suit. I already blocked it again <laughs> from my mind. He did. He looked like a flying squirrel. <sighs> then pulls the chute at the worst possible moment. Yeah. Like, you had that the whole time? Why did you wait till now when you're under the overpass? You silly goose. So mm-hmm. you just take off the mask. Why did he do that? Is he feeling? stupid? Who what? Do you guys think that um, Colin Farrell as the Riddler or Tom Cruise as Les Grossman played the better vi- villain? You mean uh, Colin Farrell's Penguin? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's Colin Farrell's Penguin. What did I say? Riddler. 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 Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Paul Dano is Riddler and yeah, Colin Farrell. Uh, penguin, yeah. And Who's Tom the better Cruz villain? Is Tom Cruise is less gross, man. Yeah, less gross. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back to the Tropic Thunder. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm. I thought the penguin was more believable. I actually like. He was probably one of my favorite parts. Was the penguin? Yeah. In the film. Same. Um, he did give a little bit of that humor that was really needed from the film, even though he was like a sleazy ugh, kind of guy. I think that's almost where it kind of started to change for me. Was once they left him under that underpass tied up and then he just wasn't in the film for a while mm-hmm. the tone shifted mm. because i think you're right i think he was that bit of humor because he didn't take himself too seriously like oh, i'm just the proprietor i just you know i don't keep an eye on everything that happens under my roof yeah and that i think that's really when the tone started to shift mm. he literally waddled <laughs> like you guys are gonna leave me here i did not like the riddler i thought it was way too close to reality to be in good taste frankly yeah. Hmm. Yeah, uh, we had like basically like a mass shooting or orchestrated by this guy for political reasons and it honestly to me is pretty terrifying that they are still putting this in movies that they're making right now. Hmm. Do you think like like a mo- especially in a movie that in the end still kind of like um treats Batman as the hero or treats him with some kind of reverence um or even and then with like someone like, you know, Riddler and I don't know. Even though the movie seems to be like very much like you know this is all bad, but do you think this movie can still send mixed messages to like kids, especially like disaffe- disaffected like young people? Where do you think those disaffected young people are getting these messages? There mm. are no movies that portray this as a good thing. Mm. They just portray it as something that people do when they're upset and smart mm. and capable um, of critical thinking. Mm. So, yeah, no, I think it absolutely continues to glorify those kinds of destructive behaviors. Mm. I think it also just presents it as an option. You know, there are some people who may not have thought about it beforehand and then, you know, see movies and 
are like, oh, maybe that's something that could make things better. Yeah. Drugs are bad. What are drugs? Right? Like if they had no concept of it before, it wasn't an issue. Mm. Yeah, because, you know. It also goes back to what we were talking about with Austin. Sorry. No, go ahead. uh, About how there is no escape from the horrors of the reality that we're living in. The world is on fire. Mm-hmm. And if you, all, if all you have to watch is movies like this and shows like this, that's not an escape from anything. That's mm-hmm. not healthy. That's not positive or good for your life or your mind. We need more shows that enable positivity and mm. conflict resolution and diplomatic ways, you know? Mm. I mean, if you think about it, it's like you tell someone, it's like, I just need an escapist movie. It's like, I got this awesome movie about a billionaire who is like single-handedly trying to make the world better and trying to stop mass shootings. I'm like, that just kind of feels like <laughs> the news, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Squirrel suit. Yes. You know, the movie's trying to be so serious, but like, so then when you get some of like the Batman action sequences, like the squirrel suit and stuff, it's kind of like there is a bit of a tonal whiplash. It's like, <laughs> like, like everything else he does is so like, especially when they have that first scene down in the the, the subway, subway and he's fighting that one guy and he just clean hits like five or six in a row. And then you have shit like this where homeboy just doesn't even know how to pull a freaking parachute out mm-hmm. and just, tumbles 300 feet you know like (laughs) very very confused as to why all of a sudden your decision making is just non-existent (laughs) yeah um yeah a little bit of a little whiplash though to be fair though like and again this kind of glorifies a little bit of like but batman's cool like the batmobile and everything that but it's a really fun sequence though like in a vacuum like like what an incredible sequence and just like oh my god and just i guess um because i did a little reading um behind the scenes i guess they were inspired by um the stephen king novel christine the one about the car that gets possessed and they want like we want the car to feel like it's alive and it's fun there are a couple points like when you watch that scene they almost almost never cut to batman in the Batmobile it's just the car from Penguin's point of view coming after him it's like this living thing coming after him that whole sequence I thought was really well done again at the risk of like see Batman is cool even though he's caused so much like how many people died in that that was a moment of humor too because when he's first revving that engine and revealing the Batmobile he stalls it like when he's about to (laughs) put the pedal to the metal it's like (laughs) 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 little funny moment with the Penguin yeah I got you I got you. I got you. But then again, like how many people did died in that? They never, they never bring up that, but I'm like, okay. The 300 car pileup on the freeway. Yeah. That right. results in a huge, like oil tanker explosive. Mm. <laughs> how many people? Cause he was like, Oh, he's, he has to be dead. About there is when the national guard would probably get called. Honestly. Yeah. If something like that happened, that would be frontline news for weeks. <laughs> There was briefly a show on TV, and I was so excited about it, and then I think it canceled after, like, five episodes because nobody watched it. And it was all about the insurance people that were – it was, like, a specific company for insurance against superhero villain attacks. So, like, if your car got thrown in a fight, your car was covered by this particular insurance company. I've thought about that for years, about, oh, well, what if my car got thrown into, like, you know, this giant car pileup, but I wasn't even in the car – that would be a multi-trillion dollar 
uh, market cap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there's got to be some money to make there, but I it's just think about it all the damage. time. Like, those these poor random people probably don't even, like, they get up from work in the morning, go out to go to work, and their car is just gone. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then it's found six blocks away, just sh- completely totals. Fuck! <laughs> On the news later that night, they're like, Holt came in and <laughs> exactly, yeah. And they're like, fuck, God God damn it. <laughs> yeah, I'm still... I slept through it again. Still gonna why need we, you to come into work, though. Superheroes? Let's talk about when dinosaurs came to L.A. from <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Who had insurance for that? Doesn't cover it. I'm sorry. God damn it. T-Rex! <laughs> I'm actually still gonna need you to come into work. <laughs> it only covers pterodactyl incidents. <laughs> um, what about... um? The Zoe Kravitz Catwoman. Oh, you mean the part where they fell in love after talking for two seconds and only revisited their love twice in the whole movie? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> that felt the most out of place for me in the whole movie. The romance? That romantic bit. I think what if they just romance? cut that completely. It was, it was quote, two romance. eye contacts. She has a thing for strays, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm much happier to ship Bale Fleck. Yeah. That's the romance for me. Bailfleck. The potential for that one is real. Well, we should make a, a show with both of them as roommates. Um, the, the two Batmans in their, in their, it's basically the odd couple, but it's Batfleck. The next and, buddy cop show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bailfleck. Bailfleck. We've had a few uh, Catwomans. Um, I couldn't help a few times in the video that um, she really sounded like Halle Berry. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen the Catwoman, like it, the 2004 one or whatever. Yeah, it was a while ago. The infamous but, um, Catwoman. There was a few moments where she sounded like her, but you mm-hmm. know, we've had Anne Hathaway, we've had her. You know, <sighs> Julie Dacks on who's Michelle Pfeiffer. I think Michelle Pfeiffer all the time. Kit. <sighs> yeah, I think Michelle Pfeiffer still wins the cat, the battle of Catwomen. <laughs> Every time I see that video of her whipping the mannequin heads come across my feed, I just my jaw drops. Because that's her doing it. Yeah, it's incredible. She's brilliant. Yeah, that was kind of like I was kind of hoping we'd get a really fun Catwoman, but she's mostly used like because yeah, of this romance thing. It's kind of what ends up she's mostly there for, and then is like you know the little ally. She's like simultaneously uh, desperate and helpless and super capable and uh, independent at the same time. It's it's she kind of needs to, Batman to I don't know I take like, care of her own agenda. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. I felt like she was a fully superfluous character. They could have cut all of her scenes out of the movie and without hardly changing the plot. Without losing much. Like they did with the Joker in, uh, mm-hmm. was it Justice League? Yeah. He had like, out. I don't know, 30 minutes runtime. They brought him down to like five. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we don't need him. Yes, I think it's Best Suicide decision Squad. ever. Also found her character pretty one-dimensional. Just very uninteresting. Hmm. Yeah. I loved her tiny beanie. Yeah. Her tiny little cat ears. With her little cat ears. Yeah, that looks cool. But like when I cross her nose only and that was it. <laughs> um, yeah, especially when you have like, you know, the Michelle Pfeiffer version out there. Um, it's hard to top. When, well, and also the Anne Hathaway. I feel like the two most interesting aspects of Catwoman, those two versions do better in that like Michelle Pfeiffer is very much like the, like the feminist, like, you know, and she is much more like a, self-possessed person in that film and she's just like fucking with even though there's like the little tension between them in the end it's like she doesn't like oh batman let's go off together she still does her catwoman stuff and then the anne hathaway one is very much she is much more of like the social justice warrior where her whole agenda in that film is like there is that kind of that movie has a very much eat the rich 
thing too. And she seems much more self-possessed and like, as like, no, I'm just doing this. Like, fuck you. And you know, she has her own agenda separate from Batman. Again, they end up teaming up, but like, so both, and it feels like we don't get really, they try to speak to both like her as like a, a self-possessed woman and like, uh, you know, doing her own thing, but it just, it falls super flat in the end. She just feels very much an accessory for Robert Pattinson's Batman. That's kind of how she comes across a little bit to me. It almost felt like she was in her early twenties and like not really Catwoman yet. Just, she just Mm -hmm. is picking up the vigilante crown just for this one thing to avenge her friend or her girlfriend, whatever. But nothing else is there. Like the foundation isn't there. Mm -mm. Like it feels like kind of the way that Pattinson is only two years or whatever in the Batman. This Mm -hmm. is, the very first time Catwoman is existing. It's being Catwoman, yeah. Yeah, but still very young, still has a lot to learn about the world. Mm-hmm. Why did they give her a girlfriend and then never acknowledge that she was queer ever again? What was the point of that? Yeah. Just, again, kind of trying to... Sp- it just feels like this weird, it, weird but- performative shit of like, we're going to toss in a black queer character and say something about privileged white people. And, it's the and then never do anything right. else. And we've done our homework. That's all we. As long as we just say it, that's it. And then the gay character shows up murdered in the trunk of a car, which <laughs> yep. is not uncommon in shows either. Yep. No. Nope. Trunk. Now that we took care of that, we can move on. Yeah. <laughs> also, the five thousand dollar leather cat suit and a fifty cent shredded beanie. <laughs> Something's not quite adding hmm. up here. She spent it all in the costume. She didn't have enough for the beanie. And when you work for tips, you know some days are good, and then other days you got to buy that little beanie. Um, yeah, um, yeah, a lot of kind of even like because um, we talk. There's a lot of like you know vigilante characters and a lot of just like very like individual people just like doing their own thing. Riddler, uh, Batman, you know, and like. I'm, these kind of weird twisted ways to try to make the world better. But then like, you know, someone like, um, like the one character who seems to be like some person who's actually trying to make a difference in any kind of real world sense is like, um, the woman, um, what was it? Rial who like, you know, it was becoming the mayor and everything, but she's very much treated as just kind of just this kind of, no, I'm just going to go out there and do my thing. And, get shot instantly and you know and it's like yeah the the one person who actually in a real world sense actually is like a good (laughs) like a good sense uh, a good force for political change or societal change is very much just kind of in the background and then very much portrayed as like you don't really know how how it's out you can't go out there you don't know you know what's going on how the world really works you talk about a roller coaster of a night though like all of a sudden getting elected as mayor and then getting shot at and crushed by scaffolding and then getting pulled out by Bat- Batman from the water. Like, I mean, as a politician, uh, an attempted assassination kind of just immortalizes you in the eyes of the people forever. So her career is set mm. moving forward. Um, just saying. She's golden. <laughs> any other notes on like any of the other characters like Gordon or Alfred? Andy Serkis did Schmeagle. a great job. Schmeagle. Yeah. Schmeagle. Yeah, he's good. They don't he doesn't have a lot, but he he's good when he when he's in there. Um yeah, that scene where he comes out of you, and I was like, What? It was still a really well done scene between the two of them. 
that's the thing. It is, all, despite any like criticisms, like it's all really well like done. And I feel like the actors are doing a really good job and trying to like the performances are there. Yeah, casting was great. Yeah. I want to talk about reimagined characters. Can you imagine coming in as an actor trying to reimagine a character like that? That seems so much pressure. Mm, with all this history and other people who've done it. Mm-hmm. it just like, yeah, I have to guess I have to do my thing. Um, mm, um, yeah, I'm sorry for everyone who had to follow Heath Ledger <laughs> as the Joker now. Joaquin Phoenix got his Oscar for it. <laughs> all you gotta do to win an Oscar these days is play Joker <laughs> in a halfway decent film I guess <laughs> Jeffrey Wright is Gordon yeah I always forget that actor's name I really liked him as Gordon yeah he's a great actor he's he, right up there with uh, Gary Oldman the Gary Oldman oh yeah and Gordon I think um, the guy who plays the Riddler um, I thought he actually did a really good job because I remember him from uh, The Girl Next Door <laughs> if you remember that movie from forever ago it was probably like 2005 I don't know if um I never watched of, it. This kid lives next to a porn star, mm-hmm. and it's like all about like trying to date her. It's it's a funny movie. It's it's actually really good, and um, he plays like a really just young kind of like just innocent character. And mm-hmm. so seeing him in that kind of role was actually really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, to find out later that his counterpart in that movie, the other guy who plays like, along with the main character, I think he's casted in the next one. Oh. So it's kind of funny that a couple of them are showing <laughs> up into right. these serious them. Batman movie roles. <laughs> little inside jokes that Hollywood plays with casting. It's the same way Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson have been in like 12 movies together or something ridiculous like that. Mm. Oh yeah. Sometimes actors just have chemistry. You know, they put them in as many movies as they possibly can. Um, Now it's Chris Evans and um, uh, oh no, I can't think. No, no, uh, Ana de Armas. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's the new thing. Like every movie I feel like they have at least one a year now. Yeah. Um, what do you feel about like I got every Batman has its style. So how do you feel like about like just like the style, like the kind of love the style noir style they went for in this one? Yeah, nailed the style. <laughs> Sweet style. Style. Um, you don't get a lot of good film noir nods in modern modern films, so it's kind of nice to see that. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, it's it's definitely of a of an emulating a, like a bygone kind of movie in some aspects there's some of that kind of 1940s film noir in there and and then there's some of that kind of grungy 1970s like taxi driver like Chinatown kind of vibe as well in it um, the style is really fun I, I wish they would just turn up the brightness just <laughs> it's a skosh it was brighter in theaters it was was it? Yeah, it wasn't this dark. Mm. I think they could have easily took this movie and turned it into a video game. Mm. You know, it had this, like, Max Payne feel to it. Mm. You know, the narration, the darkness to it. You know, just Mm. kind of working your way along, like, this kind of mystery investigation. So Mm. I felt like it could easily have been turned into a video game, like, exactly this, this, this movie. That's funny. Cass had a similar thought. She's like, there's points after we walked out of the theater she was like there were points that straight up just felt like a video game to me mm. I'd absolutely play that for hours that yeah. would be so fun mm. it's a gritty Batman just getting that Batmobile and just it's probably the best mo- Batmobile I've seen yeah <laughs> that was so cool yeah. it is really fun it does 
throwback to the 60s car a little bit too yeah just that that's just a rich guy's muscle car <laughs> yeah just a rich guy's muscle car that's been souped up with tricks mm-hmm. yeah is it only in that one scene do you see it you yeah. see the engine in his little his layer workshop downstairs yeah in his little cave but you don't really see the you know it might be on a stand at some point mm. um in the background, in the background. But, yeah it's really the only scene you see it in action though uh, yeah, for that one scene, it's great. A lot of character. Probably the most character, like the most, yeah, character a Batmobile has had. I'm still partial to that 60s one mm. just because it's so groovy. <laughs> Very groovy. Wood drive, five out of seven extra rice. I love them all, actually. Like, I love the Tim Burton one. It's so classic with the big old wings and stuff. And maybe not so much like the Batman Forever and Batman and Robin one where they just have these giant, like, tail wings that yeah. just kind of wobble <laughs> and you can't really drive or imagine driving the tumbler realistically yeah, the, the tank the tank um yeah the batmobile was really cool um and just the lighting in that scene was really cool like i did like because there's a lot of like grays and blacks but then the the other big color is like like that glowy fire like orange or fire red that sometimes you would see in scenes just that kind of, especially in that scene, with um, there's kind of like an orange kind of tint to it all, and especially when like the fire and everything happens, then it's really like in your face with it. That's all really cool. There were a few scenes that I think are just pretty spectacular. One, and we haven't talked about yet, but it's when he's going to find Falcone, and he's going into the club, and he's in the elevator, mm. and you know he he the only the only basically what you see is him out of the elevator and the only lighting in it is the gunfire and it's actually silhouetting him and the people that are standing like in, mm. in you know what it reminded me of uh rogue one when vader comes in at the oh. very very end and it's all dark and you see the saber go up right and you just see him slashing people like but you only get that kind of like silhouette i thought that was a really cool scene mm. but i mean what kind of suit can block automatic rifle fire like that at point blank you know there's one point where it's just like two guns going like right up his torso like no way no he's sir fine. he's fine he got he got that from wakanda oh yeah, yeah must be it. That. that's that vibranium <laughs> from another dimension yeah, i guess a shotgun blast at point break range fine he's good just a little adrenaline shot good to go <laughs> yeah yeah he took a page out of uh Uma Thurman's book from Pulp Fiction. He was like, I saw how good that made her feel, so I'm going to keep that on me just in case. <laughs> um, yeah, some of the action sequences are really fun. Um, th- when he goes into the nightclub and just kind of storms in, that one was a really done. Was that all? Th- was that like a one-shot sequence? Almost. When he kind of walks in there and just starts beating up everyone until eventually he, he meets up with Penguin. There, was, There is one cut when he jumps down into the stairwell and then it switches mm. to a different angle to that one mm-hmm. that's a good chunk of fighting too yeah that was really fun um yeah i think yeah all the all the action sequences and everything were really well executed and that final scene while you know that's when we were kind of like okay okay we got to save the day it was still really well done as a like set piece when they kind of like do like that flooding and everything you're just like oh damn um <laughs> Um, and they did a really good job with all of that. Practical uh, effects people are genius. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, it looked like there was a fair amount of like good actual practical effects in this. Like they tried to do a lot of it for real, which was pretty cool. I wonder if that bat in the cage was CG or fake or, or, oh, or, yeah. or real. What do you think? That was a real bat in the cage that was like freaking out? Gave you the heebie-jeebies over there. And I was like, no, please don't be, don't be a real bat. <laughs> um, I don't know. Any um, Any other final thoughts for the Batman? Rachel, any final thoughts? No, I think it's that's really, really how I feel about it. No. I think everything was very well discussed. I'm glad you brought up that elevator scene because that was one of my favorites, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, would you recommend or not recommend to just the average person? To the average person, if you en- if you enjoy action or like any sort of superhero at all, I'd say I'd recommend watching at least once. Mm-hmm. If action and adventure are not your thing, nah, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a long movie if you don't enjoy action. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen, what do you think? Any final thoughts or? Well, I'd probably safely say this is my fourth time watching it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say I, I really enjoyed it again. I don't really have any final thoughts on it. Um, I would suggest it to anybody probably if they're like hey you know i'm looking for a new movie mm-hmm. <laughs> do you have hbo max sure go do that you know i don't know like you know they could be mad at me later if they're not a superhero fan <laughs> mm-hmm. but um yeah I, w- I would recommend this movie recommend it um jenny any final thoughts on the batman i will not be taking my holiday in gotham <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's just the biggest shithole city ever. <laughs> Why does anybody live here? Why does anyone? Because they here? can't get out. Yeah, they're all trapped forever. Um. Yeah, don't take your vacation in Gotham. Um. Aaron, uh, final thoughts, recommendations? Oh, I absolutely recommend it if you're a fan of the superhero stuff. I mean, if you're a little burnt out on superhero stuff, maybe give it a while and then watch it but it's totally worth watching eventually mm-hmm. trying to get some of that renewal money <laughs> let's mm-hmm. go get me that <laughs> renewal money <laughs> um yeah i think i'd be uh, it'd be the same for me it's like if you really like superheroes or just kind of genre entertainment in general that'd be like yeah for sure like check it out especially if you're a batman fan um i feel like in a lot of ways the people who will get the most from this will probably be pre-existing Batman fans. Here's a question. Do you think, and I guess you can partially answer this, um, if you if you had no exposure to Batman at all, is this a movie that's going to get someone into Batman? I don't think there's enough backstory. I don't think it really explains very well who he is, where he came from, what is this town, what is this universe. I don't think it's a good starter movie. Mm-hmm. For the fans, for the non fans, for the non fans, yeah. What do you guys think? Um, good, good kind of intro film for Batman, or I think it depends on the person. Yeah, you know your audience, who you're talking to. I mean, it could be, you know, for some people, and think about like some twelve year old. It probably is their first Batman, and that's how they got introduced to Batman. And this is what they think of when they think of Batman, right? So. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I guess it's all about timing, but I mean, I I would agree. I I think you need to have a little bit more context. You need to be a little bit, you know, understand the story a little bit better, even if that means going back to like the Christian Bale Batman, you know, you get a little bit more 
um, about his him as a kid and his upbringing as they do, you know, I, I believe as they do some flashbacks or something, you know, I feel like that would have probably been a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, so probably not an entry to make sense, but if you just want that action flick, then it's a good one to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't recommend it as a first Batman movie mm-hmm. for a newbie. No, there's kind of like context you need. This is a Batman movie more made for someone like, like a me or a Steven who grew up with Batman, who's loved Batman his whole life and getting to see a different, a different take on it. Take on it. Yeah. I think I would also agree with that. I definitely, it definitely feels like a film for Batman fans Mm -hmm. first and foremost for like the detective comic fans specifically, you know? Yeah. yeah, You know, that was one thing I actually appreciated. We haven't talked about it too much, but it's like, one of Batman's little nicknames or monikers is the world's greatest detective. Um, and he's supposed to be just one of the greatest detectives, like on essentially like a Sherlock Holmes level in the movies that you rarely see, you see, you see a bit of that, but he's much more just that like vigilante punching baddies kind of guy. And this movie really lead into has, <laughs> That is a misuse of the word baddies. Baddies, yeah. Um, He's not punching baddies. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were few and far between the baddies in this movie. I think we're looking at both the baddies in the movie right now. <laughs> so are all the good guys in the film the bad guys? <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, it, it was fun to get to see them lean more into like him being like a detective and I, and Riddler lends itself really well, of course, to that kind of, it's always about solving the clues the Riddler leaves. And so it was fun to get to see more of that kind of detective Batman. That was one thing I appreciated about the film as someone who has just been a Batman fan for years. It's like, Oh cool. I finally got to see more of him and Gordon kind of salt, like working on, on the case and that was cool. like crime scenes and like going through evidence. That's not like they haven't done a lot of that kind of stuff. And the entire movies. movie could have been that. And I would not have questioned once why Batman was wearing a bat suit. That just him and Gordon solving crimes. I've been like, yay. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with it. That's yeah, what I, th- I want as a Batman fan. If you're looking to make a movie for Batman fans, hmm. I think, yeah, if this movie was like two hours and it was basically just like a detective police thriller kind of a thing just Ugh, with Batman forget about it like that would have been really I, that would have been my personal that for me would have elevated the movie a bit him versus Riddler but it's just like mental battle and really dive into that but you you gotta have writers that are actually that that's tough intelligent to make that happen you know I couldn't do something like that mm-hmm. um alright the Batman um Definitely recommend if you're a Batman or superhero fan. Um, well, thanks for coming on, everyone. Um, have a little pizza party and watch a Batman movie. And Yeah, thanks, guys. That was awesome. Um, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming over. It was really fun. Um, we'll have to get you... I mean, you've already been on for Star Trek Stories, Jenny, and we'll definitely have you more for, for more of that. But we'll have to get some of you guys on for some Star Trek episodes. Um, <laughs> uh, Rachel, thank you so much. It was, it was like, who should we get? I'm like, oh, I bet you. I'm like, I wonder if Rachel has seen this. And as soon as you said I had it, I'm like, oh, perfect. We have to get Rachel on to talk no, about it. No, it was a so. good time. Thanks for letting me come hang. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll definitely um, have to get you on for some more. Um, Love it. And you have to come by the office so we can have more Game of Thrones chats over Airheads. 
You got it, dude. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> um, Steven, thank you so much for coming over. Um, we haven't really got a chance to, we've met before, but we haven't really had a chance to hang out all too much. So it was fun to actually kind of get to sit down and. It was a great first time. Yeah, hang out, hang out a bit. Um, get into a Batman movie. We'll definitely have to come, have you come back. Who knows? Maybe we'll see if we can get you for a Star Wars, a Star War. <laughs> or, but it'll probably be a Star Trek. We have a lot more Star Trek we cover on the show. <laughs> I enjoy either one. Either one. Okay. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, Jenny, of course, as always, thank you for all that you do in my life, including doing these podcasts. <laughs> uh, I know you're like, uh, I don't want to be the the downer here. But I'm like, no, that's perfect. We got to get we got to get the person who isn't going to be like, I don't know, guys. <laughs> I love who she just straight up just laughed right in your face. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That, that was adorable right at the beginning of the movie just like oh my god you guys <laughs> it's so dramatic super dramatic um well Aaron um Karen. thank you as always hey thanks for having me it's always fun to get to do these kind of these nerd movies these big days they don't do them as much as yeah and that's yeah have a bunch of people over and make a whole big production out of it mm-hmm. don't do them as much as the others but they're always fun to do um <sighs> So next week we're going to be getting back into our just our regular Star Trek stuff. We're going to be gearing up for our next set of Star Trek episodes. Um, so next week we'll be basically having a little teaser and talking about what we have coming down the pike. And looking forward to that as well. Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past, 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 Past. Yeah, we definitely haven't already started recording those at all, folks. No, not at all. <laughs> it's totally spontaneous and in the moment. Yeah. Um, all of you at home, thank you so much for uh, listening and hopefully watching along with us. Um, if you like these nerd movies, please let us know. If there's any movies you think would be fun for us to watch, you can also let us know. Who knows what we'll do? I have no idea what, we'll, what we're going to watch for the next one. It's kind of, we just kind of eventually just like, well, let's just watch this one. Even though, even though we have a list, there's a lot of movies on the list. So we'll see what we, what we cover next time. Maybe a start another Star Wars. Because we did say, like, maybe we'll do an Empire Strikes Back after the first one. Could do that. Maybe something a little hap, hap, happier. My Fair movie. Lady? Yeah. A musical <laughs> episode. Come on for My Fair Lady, Rachel. A little Singing in the Rain. <laughs> oh, Singing in the Rain, I'm there. Yeah. Totes. One of my all-time favorites. We're going to be watching Happy Feet, everyone. The Never saw it. 2006. Happy Feet an- is a masterpiece. <laughs> penguin film, Happy Feet. We'll be watching Paddington 2. All right. Well, uh, until next week, we'll see you all then. Have a good one, everyone. Bye.